Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I must complete the journey that my father never could. I must do it on foot. Can't remember why. It will be called The Footsteps of My Father Walk. My home isn't insulated. Monkey tennis? Heathrow is just an absolute tit of an airport. Quite simply, cows. Monkey tennis? With a stupid Ewok head. Lava on him, nosy. Love you, Aim. Monkey tennis? A total wazzock of a guy. Infinity, the final frontier. Monkey tennis? We will talk about it now, Mr. Nichols. Monkey tennis? Motherfucker. Gary Wilmot. Okay. Sue Cook. Okay. Dale Winton. Okay. Monkey Tennis. Oh, fuck off, Nick. Hello, and welcome once again to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, where we're tackling the output of Alan Gordon Partridge one week at a time. Right now, we are midway through Nomad, uh, his travelogue story in the footsteps of his father. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. A special kind of pillock. Nick Alder. I'm Rick Wakeman, and my glass is dry. And Tom Stab. Oh, fuck off, Nick. <laughs> ah, oh, yes. But what's your quote? Yeah. <laughs> you managed to both insult Nick there. Tom basically said a special kind of pillock, and then I said Nick Older. <laughs> so hurtful. Speaking of who. Yes, don't let them speak to me like that. <laughs> Nick's currently at the wheel uh, in terms of who's steering this uh, the next few chapters in Nomad. Okay, yeah, fine. I see. A metaphor all over the place. Very good. I see what you're, I see what you're implying. Yeah. I'm a bad driver. A drunk driver. <laughs> um, chapter 13 Digs in Dis. Where is Alan? 
Alan, what's he doing? Tom Dark, do I need to throw to you for an update on the walk? No, I told you just two minutes ago we don't need to do this until chapter 15. Okie doke, not a problem, we're going to move on. <laughs> this is going well so far, guys. So where is Alan? Um, where's he up this. to? He's what's he doing? This. So he's in this. Uh, he's at a B&B, or as my notes now say, as I've read here, a B&D. Not sure what that meant, <laughs> but either way, he is on a Denmark Hill. Tits to all that. <laughs> in this. Um, probably need to flag that, but I have. Um, I like so, I like the nod to accuracy here. Where he says, no, I uh, said B and D, not B and B. That's not accurate. No, um, I've moved oh, on. You've got the book. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Please, uh, please. You remember the book? <laughs> you've, you've read it, right? You've yeah. read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he says, mm. "I knock at the door with a rat-a-tat-tat." -tat. Actually, just a rat-a-tat. -tat, thinking about it, he, he cannot let it go. What yeah. if the record ended up showing it was a rat-a-tat-tat -tat -tat when it was just a rat-a-tat? -tat? And also, <laughs> it all adds to the word count. Yeah, it does. Yeah, crucially. So we kind of get a, a lengthy story here um, with Alan uh, essentially saying that the B&B &B industry used to be the envy of the world, but what's essentially happened is that he's knocked on the wrong door, essentially, <laughs> despite slating uh, the industry. It's actually his error, which is a pretty common theme um, with Alan, just generally speaking. Uh, yeah, doesn't he call them the nervous Nellies who run today's guest houses and only speak from behind locked doors? Uh, but that's obviously because he's actually not at a guest house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's basically just at someone's house. He also says that they tend to lob in chippy responses to perfect constructive trip advisor criticism which is something that comes up more and more now there's a increasingly restaurants and hotels will bite back at uh, mm. fake fake or bad trip advisor reviews and i do love that uh, the the trip advisor uh, trope in this book is yeah, very strong really and consistent good. and it's always uh, always quite amusing yeah definitely herder gerder the bradford and bingley herm from herner i mutter quietly yeah uh, yeah, it's just worth, before we get to the B&B, &B, the fact that he is at the wrong address, uh, and he says, uh, I've come to check in and delighted you finally open the door, I say, striding past her and into a lounge where three men are watching football. <laughs> Next door, she says, I quickly leave. Although this, was, although this was a private residence, I stand by everything I wrote above. <laughs> yeah. So he's finally made it to the B&B, &B, which is owned by a Mrs. Lancashire. Um, I mean... The joke here is essentially that she loves a celebrity, right, but doesn't recognise Alan. That's the big joke. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Also, that he seems to expect uh, somebody running a B&B &B to be either buxom or saucy. Uh, those are prerequisites for him. He says, although neither buxom nor saucy, Mrs. Lancashire is at least socially functioning. <laughs> yeah, he essentially thinks anyone who runs a B&B &B should be from like the 1960s and probably in a carry-on film. Yeah. Um, and he kind of discovers uh, Mrs. Lancashire's uh, Hall of Fame, although it transpires that her name is Hetty, although what's kind of apparent is it's Hetty for celebrities and Mrs. Lancashire for just the general public, <laughs> which is why Alan is essentially having to address her as Mrs. Lancashire, which he's not happy about. Um, has anyone got a note of uh, the various faces that uh, adorn the Wall of Fame? Well, we can go through them. Please do. Charlie Dimmock giving a thumbs up. Yep. Any more? Kelvin McKenzie, who's written Lovely B&B, &B, and that's the truth. <laughs> who's Kelvin McKenzie? I don't know. Oh, no, I don't that's, know who that is. that's a good reference. Yeah, yeah, no yeah that is a good reference. Go on, Nick. He, dive into this. He's like the uh, editor of um, The Sun, isn't he? He was the editor of The Sun at, at, the, at the time of Hillsborough. Yeah, and oh, also he turned right. up on... Uh, oh, no, no, no. I was going to say he's on the Madeline. Is he on the Madeline McCann documentary that Netflix put out? I'm not sure. Mm, okay. Not speculate yeah, okay. Right. So is the I thing about know. that's the truth, is that a bit of a sun-based Yeah, that's gag? basically right, a very right, sly right. gag at, at the, the headline that he put, the, I, I believe he allegedly put in, 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 in the sun that says the truth and it was effectively blaming not the, the truth. Uh, blaming the fans. Blaming the football fans. Yeah. Uh, uh, any other Liverpool. huge names? 
Uh, Everest Windows Craig Doyle. Has anyone checked if uh, Everest Windows <laughs> does have a Craig Doyle? And no, uh, is he indeed the star of Everest Windows? I mean, Nick's uh, running this chapter. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Craig, so he's... Well, are you familiar with the Everest Windows adverts? No. <laughs> no. Okay, so Everest Windows, I mean, it's essentially uh, an advertiser that you'd see during the daytime on an ITV. And, um, yeah, Craig Doyle was basically the face of it. But he's like an ex-BBC presenter. That oh, turned, I do know, yes. Yeah, yeah, and then he turned just to become the face of Everest Windows. So, um, yeah, that is the joke there. Um, and also, that's with his lovely wife, Dune. Yeah, I mean, I can't comment on, on, on his wife. Pre- but... Presumably, that's, a, that's a, a nod to Dune, whose surname we still can't pronounce <laughs> after 75 well, episodes. Unless if that's his genuine wife. Partridge, yeah. uh, Gloria Hunniford with a glass of wine. <laughs> uh, Duncan Goodhue. <laughs> Brackets keep swimming. Uh, the Kinnocks. Awful. And then we have a post-pop podcast crossover as uh, listed as one of the faces on the wall, Claire Grogan, who, of course, played Kachansky in Red Dwarf. And I would arguably there's maybe a bit of a link with uh, Shona McGough, uh, that performance in Know Me Knowing You, a bit of the kind of like punky Scotch band. Yeah. Is that kind of a bit of a Claire Grogan-ish? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, type yeah. Figure, in the same yeah. ballpark, just to clarify, the post crossover there is Smeghead's producer Jed's Red Dwarf podcast in which Kachansky obviously appears. Available on all good and bad podcast but outlets. One of my favourite ones on this is Paul Gambaccini. <laughs> he's, he's left the comment, thanks for everything and sorry. <laughs> What's Gambaccini He's done? soiled the sheets, hasn't he? Uh, That's oh, oh, yeah, there's a foot, yeah, so there's a footnote where Alan says, of course, I'll never know what the DJ and music historian had done wrong. Perhaps he soiled his sheets, snored loudly, made a pass at her. Maybe he got FedEx to deliver a small bag to him gambo if you're still reading get in touch let us know interestingly that's not in the audio book uh, yeah, yeah, that that's footnote not, yeah not all the footnotes are in the audio book no. are they i think the one the ones where it makes relevant sense to say it straight after the line oh no at, well actually no i think it, it from listening and reading along to make notes on other people's sections there are bits where i'm like oh they have he hasn't included the footnote because he hasn't said it immediately after the point he'll wait to the end of the paragraph and then do the footnote oh so they've made a case by case yeah. judgment yeah. basically yeah uh, so to continue the list a cranky doesn't specify which one which is a lot of fun uh, and Jarvis Cocker which I thought was actually quite contemporary compared to the rest of them yeah um, but before we get to uh, the, the crux of this celebrity wall I think there are um, a couple of other highlights of this chapter because I think we want to save that sure. uh, reveal sure. till last um, I quite enjoyed the fact that essentially Alan has a bit of a nose around her bedroom um, <laughs> because I think does he say he walked in there by accident so uh, has a bit of a nose around. Ten minutes later, I realised Mrs. Lancashire is not fascinating. She used to work for the council, and now she doesn't. Brackets, cool story, bro. <laughs> um, he also essentially forces her to wash his feet. Uh, she eventually agrees to draw me a foot bath using the washing up bowl that some people have in the kitchen sinks as a kind of plastic inner sink. Uh, and he says his feet relax and bleed a little into the warm water, which I thought was quite disgusting. Yeah, he does make quite a big thing about his feet injuries and well if, i mean it's only going to get worse from exactly, here yeah. um and before he got to the celebrity wall as well he says this is this after all an area untouched by the world of entertainment and celebrity although arguably quite a lot of celebrities have mm. been through uh right nick do you want to give us the big reveal from the celeb wall tee it up well there looking back at him is the face of edmunds <laughs> like a punch in the gut and a kick in the cock <laughs> Um, so that takes us to the next chapter. Anyone know what it's called? I'm joking. It's called Edmunds. So at this point, we should only refer to him as Edmunds. Okay? Edmunds. Okay. It's only to be um, referred to as Edmunds. It, he. Um, it. It. <laughs> it is it. It is he. It is only to be referred as, uh, to as Edmunds. Um, 
So I was going to say, first off, I think that this chapter is definitely one of the best ones in the book. Yep, um, I'd agree. A great, good opportunity for a, a deeper insight into uh, Alan's uh, relationship with Edmunds and definitely put some flesh on the bones uh, of this. There's definitely stuff that uh, often you'll hear kind of either uh, jokes or stories that you know slightly sort of built out, but this feels like new territory. So we're finding out new information about Edmunds, which I very much enjoyed. I to say as well, before we do a deep dive into this chapter, I think this entire chapter was published in The Guardian as kind of nomad pre-release hype wasn't ah, it so they, don't know i think you or at least or at least a large portion of this certainly chapter. certainly there's been a long form piece of text in the guardian supposedly written by alan uh in reference to edmund yeah. I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure it was taken from chapter but probably just not the whole thing because obviously right, it's probably right. too long to publish in a in a paper but yeah so the reason why i mentioned at the beginning um about only referring to him as edmunds is because uh, he signs off all emails and legal letters as edmunds um which i very much enjoyed um, and also, Alan is very clear at this point. He doesn't hate Edmonds. He just wants to make that very clear. There are it makes things... him laugh, doesn't it? It really does. There are things that he does hate. Does anyone want to cover them off? Uh, yes, the things he does, the <laughs> way he behaves, his personality, and his appearance. But, but not Edmonds. <laughs> no, crucially, because he wouldn't want to give him the satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. Which is code for he absolutely hates And I think it, the other you? crucial point is, I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's the opposite, isn't it? So uh, Alan first met him at an Our Price Radio event. And similar to the Gary Wilmot fluffing of the mushroom uh, joke, there is a similar gag here where uh, Alan suggests that he is the first uh, Noel or Noel because he's first to arrive. Um, but Alan, uh, when he tries to explain it, I don't know if Edmonds doesn't get it or this is going to be my question. Trying to sort of, you know, yeah, undermine him, under, under undermine him, and uh, uh, or what? I don't like, know how have you not heard of the first Noel as like a song? Yeah. So and I think he's just trying to. It, it feels belittle Alan. It feels a bit like Alan has bumped up against someone whose pedantry is equal to his. Good point. Yeah, and, and he does. He can dish it out, but he can't mm. take it. You know. So so. Yeah. Uh, so Edmunds here is saying, well, you're saying Noel, my name's Noel. I mean, that's the sort of pedantry you'd expect if someone tried to crack yeah, this yeah, joke exactly. to Alan. Yeah. Well, it, it, I, think, I feel like that's kind of the point, isn't it? It's like there is a starting point where they're both vying to make it as broadcasters and they're probably both at yeah. equal levels of bellendry, essentially. It, yeah. <laughs> In the real world here, is the real cuss that basically Edmunds and Partridge are very similar yeah <laughs> except that partridge yeah. is fictitious and edmunds has to live in real life well, i also think <laughs> has to though, live that... in real life as as, as edmunds yeah. I, I think that this is obviously uh, a sign of uh, once again him being the kind of um uh, a narrator that's sort of bending the truth shall we say uh, what what i really like about this as well you have the way that alan frames this as some kind of positive affirmation saying in many ways this was his first gotcha a successful tv and radio star humiliating an impressionable young dj for sport uh, and obviously the killer line, it takes a special kind of pillock to do that. So correct me if I'm wrong, and I guess if you guys can't remember, then I'm sure I'll open it out to our listeners if they want to do it. Um, I'm pretty sure that this kind of beef with Edmonds, this rivalry with Edmonds, is a Gibbons creation. I don't think there was any pre-Gibbons mention of Edmonds or even Eamon Holmes um, in sort of I'm Alan Partridge, know me, knowing you. Not that I can remember anyway, but this this kind of intense rivalry or actually really one-sided hatred towards Edmonds, it's, it doesn't really come the other way in any way, shape or form, I think is a Gibbons creation. Yeah, because I think you, there's definitely conversation in I Partridge and Mid-Morning, Mid-Morning Matters, Matters about the, the thing where it's uh, Dale Winton, Edmonds and 
uh, I can't remember who I was going to the going Earl's to the Court boat. boat show, stuff like that. So it's almost like this thing where they were kind of friends and in the same circles, but there is also this intense rivalry. I wouldn't be surprised if when they started with Know Me, Knowing You and things like that, it naturally, by reviewers and things, got obviously got compared as a spoof of Edmunds. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. more contemporary and then at the am- time, yeah. wasn't yeah. And then I imagine that people like Edmunds and that kind of people were then asked what they thought about it. And so then it became kind of natural. They, they'd interacted with the yeah. AEU to bring them into it as characters. They would have been coming up in the TV circles around the sort of similar time, wouldn't they? So it wouldn't have made sense to do it at the time. But now, um, retrospectively, they can refer to back uh, to, to to the past when they probably would have been in the set, like you say, in the same circles. But if there is a mention uh, that we can't remember, please well, do. Well, I, I think the the earliest mention you get is him talking about Noel's house party and knowing me, knowing you, right? Um, but but again, he's, that's when he just says, "Have you seen Noel's house party?" That's the kind of show this is. Keep it light. So yeah, like we we're kind of saying. At that earlier point in the APU, it's just this thing where it's Edmunds is a benchmark of successful TV. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we then get a few stories that help uh, back up why Alan doesn't like um, Edmunds. So the first one is an event where Edmunds basically gets Carol drunk after Alan saying that that was... <laughs> explicitly off limits um and essentially carol is sick on a bathroom mat and guess who has to clean it up you guessed it it's muggins massive dick move from edmunds there yeah Yeah. absolutely well is it though so um allow me to continue uh further incidents uh include um a sheepdog uh, display which alan is commentating on um and then edmunds appears in his and i love this word Nolicopter. <laughs> um and as he kind of descends he spooks the ducks who you know jump off the ramp and uh you know despite the fact yeah. that alan is saying climb climb um edmunds again uh just sort of lands as he would do uh, w- would do and then walks off into the guest area with the singer of Tapau again <laughs> uh, both la- of them, laughing their heads off both of them laughing their heads off that's that's crucial uh and then finally um edmunds drives into a car park and sprays shale uh everywhere but luckily doesn't hit uh, Alan's car. Now, for me, I wonder if when you kind of review the facts, is it just that Carol went to an event and got drunk? Alan uh, Edmonds turned up at an event in a helicopter, and then he also then just parked a car. H- have these essentially been built out to be things that um, didn't really happen as Alan might have suggested? Yeah, they're I, certainly not aimed at Alan, are yeah, they? No, yeah. He's taken them as yeah, a well. I, I think the thing about Carol with the wine, there is a giveaway in this. The way it's written. Um, so Alan says, I think she's had quite enough Noel. And then he writes, he'd nod as if to say, right, you are, Alan. And that's the kind of thing, like, as if to say, yes, of course, like that kind of literary device that we see a lot in this book. So yeah. Edmund probably isn't even in conversation with him or engaging with him. So it doesn't mean that he's ignoring and, him and even it's if he just is not part of it. it seems like all he's really done is sided with carol over alan <laughs> carol thinks she'd like things. another glass alan thinks she shouldn't yeah noel's decided she can make it, her own choices and it's very much like i'll decide when you've had enough which is kind of that like you know 90s male kind of chauvinistic <laughs> yeah you, you can't have another glass of wine um also sorry that that first um that first grievance is at a 1991 radio times bash <laughs> to celebrate the deregulation of tv listings i did try and work out if this event had ever actually taken place uh TV listings were deregulated in 1991. That is an incredible bit of uh, research. So do, but there, I don't, as far as I can tell, there was no party thrown. <laughs> is that about different magazines could only have BBC and ITV yeah. type stuff? Back in the day, Carsey Mindsback, older members of the Monkey Tennis crew, uh, you would buy Radio Times and it would only cover the BBC. Ah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the listings were the property of the channel that, that ran yeah. the programmes, as far as I can tell. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the uh, the section that details the, uh, the Nadir 
in the relationship uh, where it says it came in a small room at the BBC. This was 1994, and as presenters of live shows, him, the critically mauled Noel's house party, <laughs> me, the critically reviewed and <laughs> <laughs> with Alan Partridge. Um, but I think I think there's a bit more to say about that. But just before we do that, there is uh, one other uh, altercation which is worth a mention of another occasion. He found where I was holding my 50th birthday bash and to sully the ambiance, booked an all-male strip troupe, uh, which turns out it was Hot Pants. Now, I have a theory about that. Did Alan actually book them and just blames it on Edmunds? Well, this is kind of what I was going to say, because of those kind of four stories, if you will, assuming the last one is true, that's the only one where you could have a genuine grievance because he's actually done something. He's actively explicitly, yeah, 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 he's, yeah, yeah. he's explicitly no. done it. Whereas, uh, yeah, to that point, my, my comment was, has he done it? Although the thing that makes me think, hmm, is the theme was Louis the Fourteenth, a brilliant theme. I can only imagine what that would have looked like. And obviously, um, hot pants are dressed as American cops, so <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that um, quite works. Uh, I don't think I don't think Alan booked them because uh, the footnote says doubly insulting was the fact that he tracked down and hired hot pants the very dance tube I'd erroneously invited onto my television chat show. So yeah, but I'm going with the unreliable narrator homoerotic angle here. Uh, I don't know, oh I just no, he... someone's booked these hot sexy men by mistake. <laughs> oh, I see. Stop dancing around yeah, me. Oh, Stop no, dancing don't... around me. <laughs> yeah, Get possible, off my possible, massive okay, throne, yeah. etc. <laughs> massive what? Massive throne. Okay, good. <laughs> um, uh, we then uh, hot foot it to a BBC training event um, where as young presenters, they are um, made to go on a safety tutorial uh, by the BBC. So participating in this is obviously Partridge, uh, Edmonds and Nick Ross. Um, I mean, again, just as a scene in and of itself, just them being just being in a room watching, you know, a health and safety tutorial on um, uh, on, on safety is is genuinely brilliant, and also acting like school children, bicker, yeah. bickering like yeah. kids. Basically. Although I would, this is kind of the, I mean, this is the whole essence of of Partridge. Really, is I would love to know what their side of the story is. So, if you spoke to uh, Nick Ross or to indeed Edmonds, like, what is their memory of that? What what would they say actually happened? Um, but obviously, this pays off with uh, the. Fact fact that alan um is fronting the uh video tutorial that's being uh, shown to the group um uh which obviously edmunds finds hugely um, amusing does anyone have a list of um the videos that alan has fronted um anyone want to kick us off uh sure it starts off with be the best fire warden how leaders lead and how losers lose uh we've got identifying the cancer that is low workforce morale i'm so glad i got this one Tell me about Debenhams. <laughs> uh, there is one more as well. Uh, T-H-I-N-K, which is the one they're currently watching. Yeah. Do you want me to talk you through what T-H-I-N-K stands for? T, think about the dangers. H, how should I approach them? I, I'm the one responsible. <laughs> N, no excuses. K, know what you're doing. That's such a mishmash of sentence types. Terrible. Yeah. Just to make the acronym Dreadful. work, isn't it? I love yeah. it. So much as we heard earlier in the chapter where he was referenced as a pillock, um, Edmunds is uh, also now uh, referred to as a wazzock of a guy. Pillock and wazzock, definitely words that I think are cruelly underused in 2019. So I'm <laughs> glad to see that they get a bit of a, a reference. Um, but does Alan hate him? No. Ho- hopefully that's been made clear um, by this chapter that there's absolutely no animosity between them, despite everything that's been said uh, thus far. Um, he, he cannot stand him, but he doesn't hate him. No. Uh, any other nuggets um, from this Edmunds chapter that anyone want to call out before we move on? Yes, I've got a couple. Uh, I love the phrase uh, talking about Edmunds with his stupid Ewok head. Uh, anyone yep. else got any more? 
Um, yes, I like that he talks in a footnote about amending marketing material when he was at Saxon Radio in Bury St. Edmunds. Uh, I did the research on Saxon Radio and that was a real radio station in Bury St. Edmunds, at, uh, potentially around the time that Alan could have been working there. Some changes he made were uh, changing latest chart music to freshest pop sounds and the best of our output to the cream of our discharge. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan is done lambasting Edmunds um, and I particularly like the point that he goes on to make uh, when doing his TripAdvisor review for for the B&B, where he says, using a hotel's own wireless internet to slam it on TripAdvisor is such a sweet thrill, it damn near gives me a boner. And today is no exception. Although with the bulk of my body's blood burying itself in the lower legs to help them recuperate, there isn't enough in the loins to bone me up as well. <laughs> I feel like uh, he's letting some uh, Americanisms slip in, even though he hates American things. Like I feel like the, the partridge of old would have said stiffy. Just, just throwing it out there. Boner, boner is too far down the uh, down the American uh, scale for Alan. Yeah. Perhaps a poll would Alan say boner or stiffy? Boner, keen, keen or to, stiffy? Keen to run a poll. Please do add a an option that is other. Please specify. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. I thought it might be a good opportunity at this point. Bear in mind, uh, Edmonds is, I assume, a friend of the show. Can't stress that enough. I assume <laughs> I'm he's sure a friend he's of the show. I've certainly yeah. had I've had contact with him in the past. Oh yeah, way. yeah. We need. To, oh yeah. Well remembered, Adam. So. Oh. Um, Oh, yes. uh, quick, quick uh, round round the group. Has anyone actually uh, had any um, dealings with Noel in their personal life? Tom Stab have not. Tom Dark no, can't say I have. Sadly, I certainly haven't. Adam, uh, yes, I have to. I mean, we've been through this before. Let's, let's go not, through it again. Let's not yeah. labour the point, but for no, any, let's, uh, let's, unnecessary let's, detail. For, for any new new listeners, I was briefly a child contestant on Noel's house party. I mean. Not to brag, but around the time it was at its 18, 19 million viewer peak, Huge. just saying. As big as EastEnders, just saying. <laughs> um, where can we see that clip? Uh, you can see it never and nowhere, <laughs> unless you bribe me enough to get the DVD out of some sort of lot. So what you're saying basement. is we need to crowdfund this. Or just drop Ooh. Adam's mum a text message and say, please, yeah, can you send us a link to that? Uh, <laughs> so um, do, can we get the clarity? You were on, what was it? Wait till I get oh, you home. Wait till I get you home. Uh, we didn't get any of the good prizes. Uh, <laughs> we got a cow butter dish and an ice cream machine that's only been used once. A Perfect. Cow- perfect prizes for a child what I can what Not I can every stress child wants. what I can stress is that I got a dubiously signed photo of Mr Blobby where his paw print was far smaller than even Amazing. an 11 year old would know that the paw was uh, this is obviously back when there was a functioning theme park which is now defunct and overgrown some great yeah. pictures of that online Ter- genuinely terrifying yep uh, the guy they filmed all the segments in one big batch they did all the wait till I get you homes at once mm. uh, my parents got off lightly the guy after me had found a sex tape of his mum and dad underneath their bed no. talked, talked about that on BBC One Jesus yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Please do lock up your sex tapes, parents. Yeah. Uh, and the good news is, uh, I do have a couple of screen grabs of Adam's appearance <laughs> on that show, so we can definitely share those on the socials if you haven't Please seen them do. before. Okay, um, before we move on, I thought we might do a quick uh, Edmunds quiz. Yes. So yes. how do we feel about a uh, an Edmunds quiz? I will essentially read a piece of trivia, and it's up to you as a group to suggest or to say even uh, whether it's true or false. I've okay, certainly great. done enough research to give me some confidence. Oh, okay. No, your enemy. I haven't done very much research on Edmunds talk. at all. Yeah. It's big talk from Edmunds. Are we answering as a group or is it individual here? Group. Yeah, group. as a group. group we need a, uh, a, a group. All right. Consensus. True or false? Edmund's middle name is Ernest. My gut says false. I have no intel. My gut says true. Mm. Adam for the decider. I'm going to say... I'm going to say false. False. Okay, we have a consensus that it is false. It is true. So no points there. No points. True or false? Edmund's is currently aged 75. 
I think true. I think he's not that old. I think he's in his 60s. Mm, I th- I've got a feeling that I saw his age recently and it was higher than I expected given the quality and thickness of his hair. <laughs> so it's, I'm, it's, I mean, I don't cover it any, uh, in, in any way here. What hair? <laughs> what hair? What, <laughs> what, what hair? Um, I, Stupid Ewok I'm head. I'm going to say, I would say it's true. Consensus is true. Point. It's false. He was born, he's 70. He was born on the 22nd of December, 1948. That's still older than I thought, uh, than, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. than you think. That's the hair of a 25-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he bought it from them. <laughs> yeah. True or false? Edmonds has worked on a show which involved the death of a show participant. That is true. I think that's true. Fairness. Yeah. yeah he's, okay. he's absolutely Forbes McAllister it. Happy to go with mm-hmm. the consensus? It is true. Mm. The Late Late Breakfast Show uh, is a programme... <laughs> ironic which is, title. Yeah, which is remembered... <laughs> it's remembered for several accidents during its, <laughs> wow. during its regular Give It A Whirl stunt slot. <laughs> In particular, the death of Michael Lush. Uh, the show was cancelled by the BBC on the 15th of November 1986, following the death of Lush two days earlier. While rehearsing a bungee jump to be performed live on the show, Jesus, Michael Lush plunged hell. 120 feet or 37 metres to his death when his rope came loose and all Edmonds quit the show uh, immediately afterwards. But was still employed by the BBC afterwards. Well, yeah, so there's hope for Jeremy yeah. Kyle is what we're, what we're <laughs> learning here. Yeah. Uh, true or false? Edmonds has an estimated wealth of £75 million. False. No, mm, fuck off. Not anymore. I'm sure in his heyday he did. No, I don't think he'd be that high. Well, he, I, got, he got scammed by Lloyd's Bank, allegedly, and there's been an ongoing court and case. And there are so several radio stations. I certainly don't do think he's got £75 million uh, now. Yeah, false, false, false. false. That is true. What? No. According to the internet, that is true. Oh, according to the internet, here we go. Um, mm. Okay, true or false? Edmonds is the president, or should I say was the president, I've partially given it away, to the British Horse Society. True. Uh, true. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in June 2006... I like, I like that you think you've only partially given it away. <laughs> <laughs> in June 2006, then president of the uh, British Horse Society... Uh, severely criticised uh, he basically criticised it and again was basically ousted from it um, like that's, months later that's a very partridge yeah, move isn't it? it yeah yeah. true or false Edmunds invested £5 million into the Crinkly Bottom slash Mr Blobby theme park true yeah I'm, I'm going, going true, true. Yes. I have no intel to suggest that that is true so we're saying false oh, oh okay anyone want some um, quick uh, updates on the theme parks Oh, yeah. Go, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Mr. Blobby appeared at three Crinkly Bottom uh, theme park uh, attractions. Three! There in, were three. There were three unbelievable. Yeah. The first was based at Cricket St. Thomas in Somerset, opening in July 1994. That was the main one. Yeah. Um, and attracted over half a million visitors in its first year uh, after that attendances dwindled <laughs> and the park closed <laughs> in 1998. Is that because people were out drinking in uh, drinking beer gardens? Right, it, was, it. it was still open for four years. Indeed. Wow. Uh, the second park was opened at Happy Mount Park, Morecambe in 1994. This led to large losses, a large <laughs> scandal topping councillors and an auditor's investigation Jesus. Um, where essentially the council was deemed to have been completely reckless uh, and her of grossly misused taxpayers' uh, funds. <laughs> and then finally, a third park was based in Pleasurewood Hills, Lowestoft. Uh, it also failed to outlive the 1990s, but maintained successful revenue uh, during and after the Crinkly Bottom uh, branding. So it was essentially rebadged and I, then became successful. I feel like the, the lesson there is that if you're building an expensive theme park, it's only going to be as successful as long as you have a prime time TV show to go along with it. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that, that seems to be the lesson here. True or false, there was a charity event that caused the death of a child. 
That's quite dark. Yeah. Also, you haven't yeah. related it to Noel Evans. A charity event um, within which Noel was um, at has caused the death of a child. True or false? I'm just going to say false because I want it to be false. Yeah. False. It would be okay. it would be reckless and gross to have included it if it was true. It is true. Um, <laughs> there was a helicopter crash uh, that killed a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> the nolicopter. Climb at the um, sky. Yeah. Uh, so a nine-year-old boy unfortunately did did die. Um, at least you've been able to eke some light entertainment out of it now though. Yes. And then finally, uh, true or false, Edmonds was friends with Jimmy Savile. True. True. Uh, I mean, friends is a difficult thing to measure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, true. I, I'm gonna, true. I'm gonna say false because I like to, ima- I like to imagine a happier, better Edmonds who was kind to me for a brief period in my childhood. You want, you don't want to get bogged down in the whole you tree. No, can situation. I actually? Can I just stress for the record that Noel was nothing but a perfect gentleman, and a tiny <laughs> in all my encounters with him. That's Adam Brooks, Bristol. I, I'm glad we've said that. True. Um, I'm not sure. However, I what, do. Well, how, what? That can't be. If it's a true or false quiz, well, I was gonna... your answer can't be. I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. Well, only because it basically was an opportunity to read out something that he'd said about Jimmy Savile, which I thought was marvellous. Right? right, but you can't give us a definitive <laughs> answer whether it's true or false. No. So that is moribund. Strike that question from the record. Uh, okay. But give us your info. Okay. Uh, on Jimmy Savile, he said, "I never liked him. I found it insulting the way the rest of us would turn up at functions at the BBC in dressed in suits, and he'd turn up in a gold tracksuit. I thought he was a shit." Okay, I would think that in first they say, were not friends. Yeah. yeah, and also that is a bit like Partridge writing on Edmund. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Right on that's so Partridge esque as well. Yeah. Presumably that I mean we I don't know for sure. Presumably that's a quote after the well, allegations about Savile came out. And his reason for not liking him is he turned up in a tracksuit. He <laughs> says he turns up in a gold tracksuit. I thought he was a shit broadcaster. He had no command of the English language. He couldn't speak, <laughs> speak properly. He came out with awful expressions like "I'm about that when," and I used to wonder why he even had a job. Wow, and so we're we're ending that chapter with you doing an impression of Jimmy Savile. Uh, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next up, quite simply, cows. <laughs> My first note on this is it's a genuinely uneventful cha- chapter, and I reckon you could completely get rid of it. There's, I, I don't think it's that funny, and I kind of had a note here, like almost. There's numerous references to the word count being upped by Alan, but actually it's just the Gibbons just upping their word count with a fairly um, disposable chapter that doesn't really go anywhere. What they, do you think? they have got the ultimate cover, haven't they, by basically any time they want to up the word count, it's Alan upping the word count. The uh, good news, though, is I can give you an Alan journey update because he is back on the road for chapter 15. Great. Uh, this is day three of the footsteps of his father walk. Uh, on day three, Alan will cover 18 miles and travel from Dis to Coddenham. Where we'll have a dinner of Coddenham. Does anyone want to cover what Alan's mantra is? I'm happy to do that. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Pray silence, for I will now walk in the footsteps of my father. <laughs> I think you've nailed the intonation there, Tom. Well done. Mm. Uh, exactly as described. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of like that Alan sort of projects himself onto cows and assumes <laughs> what, you know, it, it, they kind of heap praise upon him and that he kind of like, that he's putting this onto the cows. I mean, this is genuinely... Although without wishing to put words into their cud-filled mouths, yeah. he says. Yeah, but that is then exactly what he does. I mean, this is the actions of a man that's basically slowly losing his mind. However, the uh, the one line that I did like is, these cows don't mince their words, unlike their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> he's losing his mind by this point he's what maybe three days into the walk he's yeah. three days in <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he says uh, while both I and my publisher are wary of my overstating things I mean yeah the publisher yeah. clearly is that a word exactly yeah uh, if you don't believe me ask the animals um, what I like is the, the full quote of what he imagines the cows are saying you're a good man Alan with a good heart and a good soul you're also smarter than average and can often <laughs> guess the end of thrillers before they happen <laughs> so keep doing what you're doing keep walking in the footsteps of your father and if the naysayers try to belittle or undermine you they can go fuck themselves um and then finally on to uh, a few words then on norfolk which is chapter 16 tom is there an update to give us on the walk uh yeah well so at the end of day three he's covered 38 miles so i like the fact he's lost his mind after 38 miles uh and yeah chapter 16 that takes us into day four uh in day four alan will cover 17 miles traveling from coddenham to manning tree it's probably also worth pointing out that at this point uh, based on information we are given in the book, uh, day four is a Tuesday. So he started his walk on Saturday and we are now on Tuesday. Okie doke. So now we have a few words on Norfolk. I mean, as an overarching comment, again, I would say that this, along with the previous chapter, it, I didn't think was hugely funny. And I think this one, there was an opportunity for it to be funny. So you could talk about, um, you know, Delia Smith or all the people that have come from um, Norwich and there could be something in there. But actually, as you kind of go through it, there's not a huge amount um, that really happens in it. And I don't think they really harness the opportunity to either really praise Norfolk or really kind of tear it a new one. Yeah, I, th- I think that's quite a good point, actually. Yeah. It's like the, the comedy potential is a it's bit there. unfulfilled. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, yeah. there. What you get is a fairly pedestrian review of Norfolk. It just kind of treads a bit of a middle ground. Are you saying like a pedestrianisation of Nor- Norwich City Centre? Mm. God, that's good. <laughs> I think, and you are almost dead against it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I think interestingly, uh, when we get to chapter 18, he's talking a bit about kind of Norfolk versus other counties. So I think they they nail it a bit more yeah that's true yeah, in that yeah. Chapter, yeah. i think so yeah 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 but i mean like the whole thing about the norfolk philharmonic um, as an example like that that is broadly just a functional description <laughs> it's of just it. a fact it, it's just them you talking. call a philharmonic a, a phil yeah yeah, yeah. It, yeah it just it just 
isn't that funny. Um, again, later we hear him talking about, you know, the National Trust, and that's something that he's, you know, ha- has uh, a long-standing relationship with and has made funny jokes about before. But it's just a fairly functional overview. And even when we hear from Roger Taylor, which feels like it could be a good opportunity to, you know, um, draw some humour from it. I just didn't find it all that funny to be to be honest with you. One gag that I do like is when he talks about um how in Norwich uh people people in Norfolk like to do things their own way and we steadfastly say no to the homogenization of our high streets. Mm-hmm. Indeed we have a very successful campaign group that fights tooth and nail and plenty of other parts beside to keep Norwich more or less free from faceless multinational brands. For those interested in getting involved, meetings take place every Friday morning in the Starbucks on St Stephen Street. Yeah. Yeah. That that is a That's lovely great. little gag. Yeah. But the, go on. Then you go. There, there's a nice Sir Alan Yes Coogan know as well. He says the only writhing bodies you'll find in Norwich are in the backstreet men's clubs that continue to blight parts of the city centre, thanks in full to a Labour run council. <laughs> <laughs> do do you think to that point around the Starbucks thing, which is genuinely funny, but it's kind of almost that's the whole build up to the joke essentially. Oh, I mean you the, can the see, you can see that come a mile, coming yeah. a mile off, yeah, yeah. Still funny though. Um should yeah. we go through the uh the Norfolk big hitters that Alan that yes. Alan names? Yes. Yeah. Um so obviously we've just mentioned Roger Taylor. We are Britney prototype Kathy Dennis. Hearsay rocker Mylene Class. Oh, can I just enjoying hearsay rocker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great. Uh, and possibly the most surprising of the bunch, Gorleston born Hannah Spirit, former S Club 7 singer, and someone I'm proud to call a friend. Yeah, that, is a, that is a great little yeah, bombshell, isn't it? I didn't it? expect that, but fun fact for you all, I, I, there was also a former S Club 7 singer who I was proud to call a friend. Oh, uh, really? Did, did she feel the same what? way? Uh, what, John Lee? <laughs> oh, yeah. I should have known it had been her. Oh, it's a primary school with John Lee. True fact for you there. Did you? Yep. Anyway, I'm, I'm, gen- I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Have yeah. you said that before, though? Because I'm confident we covered who we went to school with that was famous. Uh, I think we said most famous person from our hometown. From our hometown. Uh, yeah. I would okay. say yeah, he, yeah. he these days is probably eclipsed by some other people. Uh, anyone else have any big names that went to their school? Well, I mean, I think we from us. No, <laughs> not while I was not while I was there. Oh, but some uh, but producer, the manager of the Rolling Stones, Andrew Luke Oldham, went to my school. Producer Jed seems to be keen to chip in here. Go on, Jed. I went to an old boys' school, secondary school, and um, you know you get those big long pictures. What well, I don't know what they call, but well, it's big last words. Skip to the point. Catherine Tate went to an old boys' school. She was the only girl there wow. many years before me. But Catherine Tate, hmm? very odd. Um, thanks, Jed. <laughs> thanks Jed and I should probably just say back in your that, box Jed uh, as I think we all know James Corden did go to my school um, but he has now become vaguely more successful than, than me um, I think there's some nice tidbits in this I, I agree that on the whole it's not it's, it's not a uh, it's not a necessary addition to the uh, the nomad canon but um, I like that he talks about uh, about their sort of modern dance roster tap modern jazz and disco I mean the most modern of those is still probably from the 70s um, <laughs> yeah. he puts down as a mark of a class a success in classical music would be that one of the pieces uh, has been used on an aftershave advert much like his approval of Blackbird's music in Mid Morning Matters where he said it's so good it could be on an advert yeah. um, and yeah obviously the stock <laughs> yeah. he genuinely has really high respect for advertising yeah. doesn't he yep. Um, uh, mentioning that a, a town civic centre is a great place to go if you prefer your performances louder and slower. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, there's uh, oh, and then uh, a bit of a reference to the Boxy Wheat Sheaf, which obviously yes. comes up in uh, Alpha Papa. Always good to see a mention for the Boxy yeah. Wheat Sheaf and Widow the Wisp, the uh, yep. the popular folk combo that uh, that are in session on Pat Fowler's show. W O T W. Forget everything you think you know about folk music and get your backside down there. And they're funny, real groin wreckers. Yeah. <laughs> there is a kind of a, a, a an overfamiliar like that is a term that they've used before, basically. And, yeah. yeah, but do get there before Phil gets too drunk, as his tipsier lyrics can sometimes cross a line, especially towards women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think not long after that, Alan references the fact that he had uh, last night's dinner was of cod and ham. Uh, has anyone ever had a cod and ham based dinner? I, well, I mean, it sounds a bit awful. Yes, really. well, I've, I've put bacon lardons in a fish pie before. I mean, that, that is works. That's oh, yeah. um, But I think, uh, what what does it transpire to be in the book? Is it basically battered sausage and like a... So it's battered cod and a battered, battered sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Which, to be fair, would probably work. So, sounds good. <laughs> I mean, anything battered, just eat it. Um, he'd, he'd get battered. He'd get <laughs> battered. He's, he's also quite impressed with the shop that he goes to saying that uh, it has a window that's used to let in light rather than merely house posters for providers of cheap foreign calls. And that made me think, a bit of a tangent here, but I actually think Alan could potentially make a semi-decent observational stand-up comedian. And I thought, could, in a very meta way, stand-up be the next format that Alan attempts? Or some kind of documentary where he, you know, tries his hand in uh, in, in little comedy clubs thinking that his brand of humour is, is very much on the mark and up to date but i what he he at no point is trying to do observational comedy like everything that he does is never an attempt to be overtly funny think think about how many jokes alan partridge actually makes yeah not many like almost none N- none of what he says yeah, is actually you, a joke. I, so yeah. I guess for, for that for that kind of concept to work you'd have to he really i just think it. that would be that would be a masterwork on behalf of the people behind partridge if basically what you're seeing is stand-up comedy, but none of the jokes he's doing are funny, but, but the way that, that he's joke, delivering yeah. it or what he's come up with, that's what's funny. It's, that would be you, amazing. You could, yeah. you could do yeah. quite a good kind of spin-off. It's sort of thing, they used, they used to do sort of thing on like the culture show all the time where they'd get, like, I mean, I, I worked on a thing where they would get like a musician to try their hand at stand-up comedy. Yeah. So that sort of thing where you could build that conceit where Alan's got egged on by people like Sidekick Simon to be like, oh, Alan, you're really funny. You should try out stand-up. And then it all falls flat on its face. That, yeah. That's kind of the way that could trans- transpire. Or, or, or some kind of version of like the Secret Millionaire show. But for some reason, he is the person who's trying to, you know, imparting his wisdom or something. But remember, we know this will never happen because as the Gibbons have said, if fans can think of it, we won't do it. Yeah. In fact, we're probably ruining a yeah. lot of future <laughs> we should by saying it now. You could, uh, yeah. you could have Duncan Thicket be the uh, compare. In the don't club. run away. Don't run away. <laughs> have you ever noticed? Um, so he's in the shop now, um, keen to buy a can of lilt. We know that um, Alan is obviously meat a big, free lilt. Meat free a big lilt. fan of milk, meat free lilt. Um, so he starts caressing the sandwiches because his dad presumably would have touched them many years ago. So he's just essentially fondling the stock that he's not going to buy, at which point a man in his 30s comes out and says, um, can I help you? Um, and Alan basically wonders if this man remembers his father, not realising that obviously he basically wouldn't have been born or would have been very, very young. <laughs> yeah. um, at which point uh, an older gentleman comes out with a bat um, and uh, asks Alan uh, if he's been robbing the sandwiches. He wants uh, to know well, if it, he's the C word who keeps yeah. robbing the sandwiches and, also, and why. And why? <laughs> the way he writes, when dad, in inverted commas, emerges as well. Yeah. Uh, and then that ends with, I jog off down Norwich Road. And I thought, does he jog off or is he literally running for his <laughs> life at that yeah. point? Yeah. That brings us to the end of the chapter. Any more for any more? Nothing from me. 
just one one minor detail which i quite enjoyed in that uh, that last chapter uh, where alan writes i quickly open my rookie searching for something and then find it brackets takes about 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> lovely and uh, what a good place to uh, to stop it so that's the end of this episode. <laughs> stop it stop, stop it, it now stop it i now. want you to stop <laughs> i want you to stop uh next week we're going to be making plans for lionel and crossing the county borders as nick passes the baton to tom dark um, oh god <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime it's thepartridgepod at gmail.com facebook.com slash thepartridgepod at thepartridgepod on twitter at monkey tennis pod on instagram and the monkey tennis hotline is 07923 600 thanks so much for listening please do rate and subscribe on itunes if you can uh, or wherever you get your pods uh, and until next time thanks and goodbye bye don't run away don't run away I must complete the journey that my father never could. I must do it on foot. Can't remember why. It will be called The Footsteps of My Father Walk. My home isn't insulated. Monkey tennis? Heathrow is just an absolute tit of an airport. Quite simply, cows. Monkey tennis? With a stupid Ewok head. Lover on him, nosy. Love you, Aim. Monkey tennis? A total wazzock of a guy. Infinity, the final frontier. Monkey tennis? We will talk about it now, Mr. Nichols. Monkey tennis? Motherfucker. Gary Wilmot. Okay. Sue Cook. Okay. Dale Winton. Okay. Monkey tennis? Oh, fuck off, Nick. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.